Hello Good Daniel. afternoon. How are you? I am great. I am great. Oh, you've got the great sounding mic. I knew that this is podcast world, but I should uh, have the mic, but I don't. <laughs> it doesn't look all that fancy. I mean, if you notice, I'm sitting on top of one of my uh, planners and a plastic box for my microphone. So it's not like it's that. <laughs> but big. it's the audio. Clearly, oh. it sounds way better. And um, I mean, I honestly, I've never listened back to myself on on the Zoom itself to wonder what it sounds like. Of course, no headphones um, could make this sound better. But you tell me if I'm good to just talk. You sound and- fine. You sound fine. Okay. You look amazing with that backdrop, you know, whereas I don't have any kind of special thing. And this is what's a, what a waste. It's not even going to be video. <laughs> but all good. As a matter of fact, I do prefer the lighting's a little better when I turn off the yellow overhead. So very good. So, hey, how's it going? I know we're here to talk about something, and I honestly don't know what that is, but I'm Perfect. excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you probably said to yourself when you got on this thing, well, I'm going to get on a Zoom call with Ted. It must be a day that ends in Y. <laughs> must be what? A day that ends? Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. <laughs> Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your wins, have a better quality of life, and become the best leader you can be. Hey, have you subscribed to this podcast yet? Don't miss an episode. They're worth every single thing you paid for them, which is nothing because they're free. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Give us a rating and a review on your specific podcast player. This helps us with our podcast rankings and makes it easier for people to find us. And as always, please support those who help support us. episode 102 of this podcast, Chris interviewed Justin Kwan, Michelle Andrews, and Richard Ruth. They pointed out that as a profession, we have done a great job of letting our patients know that myopia is not a big deal. If you can see 2020, there is no worry. It is the high myopes that are more danger. And as they said, that message is tragic. Any myopia has a higher risk of maculopathy, glaucoma, and earlier cataract development. In the MySight one-day clinical trials, only 4% of study participants who got ProClear one-days stayed stable in their myopia progression over the three-year period. That means you can confidently say, parent, by not going to a system geared to slow the myopia progression, there is a 96% chance your child's vision will get worse. This may take away some of the choice your child has in the future as to how they will correct their vision. Choice not fear of the disease associations with myopia is what best resonates with parents when it comes to myopia control for their children. And with Cooper Vision's MySight One Day, we now have an FDA-approved single-use contact lens to lessen the progression of myopia in our patients. Contact your Cooper Vision representative to find out more about MySight One Day contact lenses. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm Ted McElroy. Today, I have not only someone that I work with on a regular basis, but a really good friend of mine, Danielle Brooks. 
Danielle is the president and CEO of Pearl Business Consulting, and I actually work with her. She is my personal virtual CFO, and she's going to explain about what that's all about. Um, she also has a really neat background. I didn't realize some of this until I read her bio on her website recently, but uh, started her first business in second grade, which was kind of cool, and uh, worked for the CIA for a little piece, which just got me a little terrified, I have to say. <laughs> Um, and then, but the really cool thing is how she actually came into this business, um, working with a family business and how that sort of transitioned into what she's doing today. So Danielle, uh, welcome to the podcast. We're, we're really happy to have you here. Well, thanks. I am excited to be here. I really am. And it's, it's awesome to be able to provide any insight that I can to you and your audience. So thank you for having me. And you're right. I'm, it's interesting. I guess I don't talk about my background much. Hey, I'm happy to help here wherever I am today. But you're right. I started my first business in the second grade. My parents, they, my parents have been entrepreneurs and I wanted to honestly be like them. So I, I, my dad took me to the Franklin Covey store. I got a planner and business cards in second grade. And I was selling um, stuff in a magazine to our neighborhood and the church. And just because I got a little piece of a commission off of it. And honestly, it was fun to make my own money. And I have to ask my parents. And that's really where uh, my business like thought process started. And I've always been doing something on my own, on the side of whatever other things I was doing. And so... Um, you're right. I used to work for the CIA. I did that for a few years when I was in college. My degree was in, was in mechanical engineering, and I was an engineering intern with the CIA. And so I worked there every summer, winter break, and just anytime I was out of school, I was in D.C. And it was fun, but I also learned that that wasn't the life that I wanted. I did not want to work in this, honestly, a secret type of environment. It just wasn't, wasn't my thing. <laughs> and I really appreciate the ones that choose to, to, to take that line of work, but I knew it wasn't for me. And I also learned that engineering wasn't that much fun for me beyond the three to four months in, at a time. <laughs> so from there, I went to work for ExxonMobil. They were hiring people for a sales role and they want engineering background. And so I did sales with ExxonMobil for three years. I was living in Oklahoma. And once I was ready to leave the Midwest, my mom asked me to help her with sales and her business since I came from the sales side of things. And really, that's how my business now as a virtual CFO got started was helping my mom's business. So what what were the things you what what does she bring you in to do? I mean, and, and let's face it, no offense here, but I mean, heck, you're an engineer. What do you know about business and money? <laughs> So that's interesting that, so what's, well, even to, to side note, before I get to what I did with my mom, even when it comes like engineering, I honestly, this was only, this is a recent, um, I guess, discovery because I, I met a chiropractor who was an engineer and I, and people like don't expect those two things to go together, but it was so interesting talking to him. And I realized this, this is how I approach business and my clients' businesses, but as an engineer, I really learned on, like, I loved all of the engineering schoolwork. And so we learned exactly how to set the solid foundation for, say, a bridge or something as mechanical engineering. And I love honestly setting a solid foundation for my clients' businesses in order for them to build and grow off of. But most people are ready to just have the a car drive across the bridge, <laughs> but they don't know what needs to be solid on the underside of it for this car, for this bridge to actually hold this car. And so that's really the way I approach businesses. I start figuring out where you're trying to go. What are you trying to do? And I understand what foundation needs to be in place for you to build a sustainable business. <laughs> so you're, you're, 
getting pulled out of the engineering to go work with your mom? How, how did she convince you to do this other than, Hey, Hey, come on, spend some time with me. <laughs> well, I will say I, I didn't exactly like, so the path to get here was not at all what I had just planned on. So when I left um, ExxonMobil, I was like, Hey, I'm going to go get another job and be awesome elsewhere. I wanted to move to Atlanta area and just the Southeast. I wanted to get close to family and certain jobs that I was applying for. They wanted me to move again. And they just things weren't working out. And I was honestly helping my mom on the side while I was in college. She would have employee issue here or a question here and there. And just having the corporate structure and be working in the corporate and the federal government, most small business owners may not have that perspective. And so I was able to just to offer her insight along the way. And so then when I was looking for other jobs, things weren't turning out. I had the time <laughs> to help her. And so I was like, okay, God, I see what you're doing. Everything that I wanted is not going the way I planned. And honestly, it was perfect timing for me to start helping my mom. So she asked me just to help her with sales. She was like, you've come from a sales background, help me grow the business. And so I said, hey, let me see your numbers first before we're talking about growing the business. Let's see if you can sustain more sales. Can the business like what? Let me see what, what I'm working with, because every sales meeting that I had started with the numbers. Yep. And so she had an accountant that she had known for years and she'd been paying him a monthly basis to keep her books. So I kept asking for the numbers. Let me see some reports. And I wasn't getting them. When I finally got in her books, there were no books. (laughs) She she was trusting someone because she's busy running her business. She was trusting someone else to take care of the back end because she couldn't do it all. And once I came in to to look at anything, there nothing existed. So I literally had to create all her numbers. I had to figure out how much it was costing her per client and what was just the overall overhead cost of the business and literally everything that I needed to understand where we are today. I had to create the data and figure out what was going on in order to find it. And so um, within a couple of years, like, honestly, when I first started working with my mom, she had 20 employees. It was around $170,000 in sales. And <clears throat> she was going week to week, payroll to payroll, just taking care of her team. But there wasn't any sort of margin for her to be able to take, a, take time off, take vacation, hire more people. She was just too busy in the business to figure out how to stay, take a step away. So I was able to come in and provide that insight. And once I did the analysis on her business, I found out that she was spending 80% of her time on 20% of the revenue. And she had no idea. She's just busy being busy at the clients that yelled the most. (laughs) And and so once I brought it to her attention, I was like, hey, we've got to shift your business model overall. And within a few years, she went from $170,000 to over $550,000 in sales, only had to hire 10 more people. And that's because of the type of customer I told her basically to go after. And now that business, now that clientele is about 98% of the business. And, and that's, and so now her and my dad, cause when she first started, they hadn't taken a vacation and she just been in business for seven years, day in, day out, all day, just working. <laughs> and so now ever like really after the first year of working with me, she was able to take two weeks off her. And my dad went to Africa and they had the first time they were able to actually step away from the business and the business still ran without them. And that was really my goal was just to put things in place. And I was in Atlanta, they were in Tennessee. And so everything had to be set up virtually. And I really helped my parents for five years, just continue to grow their business. So their accounting, bookkeeping and payroll, I set it up, streamlined it, the invoicing, I automated what I could and I took on what I could and I really just helped them. And somebody happened to ask what I did for my parents. I told them, they're like, I need that too. And that's really how my business continued to grow. And I became a virtual CFO for more than just my parents. (laughs) 
So this story you tell about your mom and your dad's business, how similar is this to the stories you hear from the clients that you take on as you go forward? Is it a common story? Is it a, oh, that never, ever happens anywhere? I mean, what is it? It is very common. And even just to talk about it, when I've been in like networking groups that I don't honestly, because I was so deep in their business, I wasn't aware of how common it was outside of my world of just my parents. But there's so many small business owners that started because they have a passion to whatever their line of work that they service, they provide to their customers. They love it. And that's that is what they love to do. But they didn't take into account that in order to continue servicing their client, they have to make sure they get paid. They have to, if they have a team, we got to make sure my team gets paid. And all of those back office things aren't fun for most people because it's taking them away from the fun thing they like, which is on the front end of taking care of their clients. And I find that like time and time again, no matter what the industry is, if someone's in a bakery, they love baking the cakes, but they don't love all the things that have to go into it. Um, as far as optometrists, you love taking care of your clients, but then you've got building and team and systems and tools and everything else that has to be taken care of beyond just taking care of your client. But it has to be in place for the, for in order for you to deliver a, a premier service to your clients. And so I see this time and time again, honestly, and that's that's reason why I'm able to continue growing my business, because at this point I have a system that I just, I start talking to my clients, we figure out where they are. And in there's there are a lot of similarities that I'm able to just lean on previous industry, like previous experience I've had with other industries that also you as an optometrist may not know what a janitorial company is doing over here. They very well, it could be something that's helpful for you, but you just wouldn't know because you haven't been exposed to different types of businesses that could help your back office. Yeah. And one of the things that you, you'll agree with me, I'm, I hope, well, I'm sure, but I hope um, <laughs> when we're sitting around in our group, at business accelerator and we're talking about the things that are challenging us on a, on a daily and weekly basis in our businesses, even though you're running a business that handles financial matters for businesses and I'm an eye doctor and, you know, we've got friends that are pharmacists in that group and we've got people who run insurance businesses and we've got people who are doing social media uh, campaigns and, and all these kind of things, but we all complain about the same thing. We all complain yep. about all the money that we wish we had to spend the money on the things we need and our, and our people. That's the only two things we ever talk about. And that's it. really empowering that first time sitting in the room. Cause I thought, Oh my gosh, I thought this is something that only optometrists talk about, but no, it's something that all of us are discussing. So it's so nice to have someone such as you that can sit down and look at our, our numbers and look at what we're doing and go, you know, I know you got an eye doctor's office but it doesn't run that much different than a janitorial service. Like you said, it doesn't run that much different than any other business because it's all about cash flow in. And what are you going to do with that money once it's gotten there? And those are universal truths when it comes to money. So when you're sitting down the first time with this client and you've actually gotten, you've, you've, you've already breached the, you're not having the discovery call. You're, you're at the, we're doing business now. What are some of the most common mistakes that you see happening with these first-time clients? Honestly, the main thing, like one of the first questions I ask my clients, it's actually twofold. I want to know, honestly, first, what is it, like, what is their end goal? 
what do you want to be doing and what is it that what do you desire like out of life and business honestly and most of the time people aren't doing what they want to be doing but they feel that they're stuck here because this is i'm doing all the stuff i have to do and i'm not doing what i want to do and so once i figure out one what they where they want to go then i ask now where are you spending your time and most of the time they're spending their time on stuff like i said that they don't like to do they don't want to do but it has to be done and then i start talking about how we can how we can outsource or automate or streamline whatever it is you're doing in order for you to stop doing it so that you can now move towards where you know that your your expertise is truly going to to bring tenfold value back to your to yourself personally and professionally because sometimes yes money is important for us to run our businesses and our lives, but money isn't everything. Sometimes people just want some time away to spend with their family and friends and go on a vacation. And it's still going to take money to do that money to go on the trip, money to hire the team to run the business while you're away. But we need to sit down and figure out where you want to go. If it's just go to business or go on vacation or all of the above. So those are the first two questions that I really want my clients just to stop and think most of the time people hadn't stopped <laughs> to even think about it. It's like, yeah, I know what I want to do, but that's one day and I'm just busy being busy. And you look up nine years later, you're still busy being busy because you didn't have a plan in place to get to where you wanted to go. Yeah. And, and for me, when we first talked, I mean, um, I don't think I had a disaster going on, but it was still some things that needed some attention. And because of that, over my career, what I had done was first I was working, you know, five days a week, seeing guests at the office. And then, well, I needed to have another day to just do working on the business, not in the business. And so that turned into a day, but then that starts trickling in over the rest of the week into more days. So, well, now I got to get another day that I got to have to work on the business, not in the business. Now I'm down to three days of guest care and two days of practice care. And fortunately I was able to, to get an associate to join me. So that freed that up to be able to make that happen, but it was still kind of overwhelming in some of our circumstances, you know, looking at these numbers that were just numbers and trying to figure out how to, how to affect them and how to make them change a little bit. And um, while it seems like that really wouldn't be that big of a stretch, I, I know it sounds crazy, but from a doctor, because I mean, we're constantly moving other numbers. We're moving, whether it's a eye pressure for a eye doctor or blood pressure for a you know physician, we're still dealing with the same kind of sort of things. What kind of things did you do here that caused that to happen? And that's not that much different from what you're doing, but yet it's just one more thing that's getting distracting. So after I handed this over to you, what I've done for me now is I'm, I'm now getting my Monday afternoons back, which means I'm not having to spend a lot of time on my finances. I'm actually going to be able to do something good for my practice. I'm going back into the exam room um, on Monday afternoons. The amount of money that I'm saving by paying you is actually allowing me to probably make more money in that one day than I'm paying you for the whole month of what you're doing, you know? Yes. And so I guess that means you're probably going to raise my fee now, but, no. uh, <laughs> but I mean, I'm being facetious, but truly that's part of it. And and this was kind of one of these realizations that I had back, I guess it was in, maybe it was early this year when we were in Franklin and knowing what my number was. Yep. I remember us talking about that. We all should have a number yes. on our time. <laughs> so tell us, tell what that number, what that number means. I mean, you don't have to tell us your number or my number, but I mean, how did you, how do we come up with that number? How does that work? 
Well, yeah, I mean, to provide a little more insight on just that topic, it was just around figuring out like, what is it that your time is truly worth for, for, for you, period, <laughs> dollar amount. And one of the biggest things I took away from that training that we had was that I used to say that certain tasks was this dollar amount versus that task, this dollar amount, but they were all my time that I needed to actually take up. And so my time is the same amount, no matter what I'm doing. And that's, that was something that I took away that I needed to then decide if it was a lower lower price or lower cost task, then I shouldn't be doing it. (laughs) And I need to now hire someone else at a lower price than myself to take care of it so that I can only focus on the highest income generating activities. And so that number, honestly, it's going to be different for everybody. You can start with just your annual revenue goal if you wanted to start there and then figure out, depending on your line of service, depending on your line of business, how many customers are going to take you to get to this annual revenue goal? How much time is it going to take you to get to this annual goal as far as how do you have to work in and out of your business to get that done? And ultimately, you're able to come up with a number. So I'm just for the sake of saying, say, we'll just say $1,000 an hour is somebody's number because it's just easy for around roundabout. <laughs> um, even if we talk about with you, I mean, like if we're talking about, hey, you had half a day that you could go in to see clients, we'll say four hours that you potentially were working on your books. And if your price is $1,000 an hour, then, I mean, like it might sound high, but you get what I'm saying, it's trying to be roundabout. <laughs> but we're saying $4,000 a, a day, if you work in four days, that your line of work could produce for, for your business. And if you're spending your time on something that you can pay somebody $100 an hour to do, then, then you should be working on your $1,000 an hour service. <laughs> and I mean, like, so depending on a lot of work, thousand may seem really high for somebody, but I just feel like it was still a nice brown number. But either way, that that's something that I try to remind my clients of. It's like, oh, I, I used to do this. I can do it. It's just not going to take me long. And <laughs> I don't mind. And I like doing it. It's fun. It's usually a distraction for you. <laughs> and it's a fun-ish distraction from really what is going to take deep work that's going to help grow your business and move your business forward. And that's something that I think that my clients don't really think about until I bring it to their attention. Like, look, you shouldn't be spending your time on that. That's not where your company is going to benefit the most from your time, effort, energy, and expertise. So yes, you should hire out this accounting and bookkeeping just because you've always done it. Doesn't mean that you should do it. Yes, you can do it. I am truly an advocate for small business owners understanding all of the systems in their business. So then when you go to hire, you aren't like where my mom was and her, when I first started helping her, she didn't know what to check for. She wasn't checking behind him. Even if she did, she didn't understand the accounting bookkeeping to really check him. So I'm all for understanding it. But at some point in time, it's going to be a break-even point where, look, it makes more sense and it's going to make more money for you to remove yourself from these lower cost tasks, basically. Right. You know, so to give you everybody sort of a context on this, um, an average revenue per guest for an optometric practice is, this is nationwide numbers, is about $300. So if you're seeing two an hour, that's $600 an hour that you as a practice doctor are generating for that practice. If I take what you're charging me at the end of a year and I subtra- and I divide that out by the number of weeks that I'm going to work, I'm going to say that 50 weeks, so I, you know, I'll take two weeks vacation somewhere along the way. So let's go say 50 weeks and then I'm going to work 40 hours a week. You're costing me less than that $600 by a long shot. 
Right. <laughs> so, so basically to translate this backwards, if I'm doing this work for my practice, I'm costing my practice $600 an hour to do these numbers. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not doing them nearly as well as you're doing them. And I'm not doing them nearly as fast as you're doing them. So I'm in essence costing my business. You know, let's say you're $200 an hour. Even I'm costing my business $400 an hour just to do this stupid stuff that I don't do very well. And I'm not saying it's stupid in that context, right. but because it's, it makes no sense. But if you want to drill this down just to you personally to, to stretch this number out for everybody, everybody do this little exercise. If you're in the car, don't do this right now. Pull over <laughs> the side of the road later and do it. But what you want to do is take a piece of paper out and write down your annual salary. What do you make a year? Just, you know, and, and embellish it a little bit if you want. It's okay. Or be really conservative. I don't care how you do it. Just come up with something. And then divide that by the number of weeks that you should be working, not the yeah. number of weeks that, well, actually you probably do want to go how many you are, but let's say you should to begin with. And then you want to divide that by, of course, because you're going to take some time for continuing education. You're going to have to have some of those kind of things. So all those numbers come out to your, to your daily number at some point, you want to find out how many days a year you're going to work. That's your daily number. That's how much it costs your business for you to do what you're doing. Then take the number of hours that you should be working. Again, I said should, because let's face it. Most of us, you know, think, well, you know, I'm, I'm working eight hours a day. No, you're going home and you're doing another two or three or four at the house, cheating your family out of you and all those kind of things. So let's go back to the number that you should be. Let's say it's eight or let's say it's seven. Many of you have heard Mick Kling talk on this podcast with Chris Wolf about something called Parkinson's rule. That is mm -hmm. basically that time will fill up however much time you give it. If you give seven hours of time, you're going to only give it seven hours of time, but you'll get it all done in seven hours. It's amazing how that works if you just do that. So now you know what your hourly number is. And if there's any task that you do that costs less for somebody else to do it than that, that you found out what your number is, somebody else should be doing it because you're costing your business money to do it. I hope I made sense when I explained that. Did I sound, say that right, Danielle? That's yes. I mean, I think that's, that's, that is a very good summary. I mean, at the very least, if we wanted to say like bullet points, get your total and like, I like your idea of what you're currently doing versus what you should be doing. That's, that's the whole, let's have a goal in mind anyways. And so if you're currently making hundred thousand dollars a year and you look at how many hours you're working, what you currently work, then you can deduce all that down exactly to see what your hourly, what you're making truly hourly. If you take into account all of what you're doing weekends and, and all after you get off from work, if you're just honest with yourself <laughs> and, and then go over to what your ideal is. And I think it would be great for you to really compare that and see if you, if you find out that what's like, how far apart those things are, it's also in the, like set a target for you to work towards. And so then if you can start thinking through, Hey, I'm like, honestly, when I started working with my mom, I was able to give her after after the honest was the first few months, because I asked, these are things that I like as far as the numbers. I want to know how much time it's taking you to do any and everything. <laughs> how much time is it taking you to do? A, so if we talk about, and if we talk about the steel, the stuff that you're doing that you don't think about, how much email is it? How much time is email taking you? How much time is it taking you to see a guest? How much time is it taking you to, to review certain things? How much time are your team meetings taking? How much time, like, really start i would love to, for if like talking to the guests to really try and drill into this number and talking to people um on the podcast here write down everything you do 
on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, then put time to that. Cause it's also, it's also like, oh, I think I work eight hours. <laughs> Once you really start drilling down to it, you'll see where you're spending your time. And then that will help you then decide on who we need to first hire things out to as well. Because if you realize you're spending half your days and weeks on email, then you might need to look at an executive assistant to help you go through your email. Because if you're spending an hour on email that it's just reviewing and maybe there's a lot of stuff that you shouldn't even really like you don't need to address to your your previous example that's six hundred dollars <laughs> that it's taking you away from your practice that you could be seeing someone so you could hire an executive assistant for um probably About 25 bucks a day or 25 <laughs> bucks an hour 25 i mean bucks there's there's so many different um avenues on like just to think about what it's costing you so i i didn't i thought i was going to summarize your stuff into bullet points and then i just kept going because this is no. so much fun for me but it's, it's <laughs> but, not that much different really honestly than our regular day anyway i mean let's face it the majority of our businesses we've we brought in other people to do stuff for our practice i mean i don't do the every single thing to the guest that comes to my practice i, I right. someone else to do what I feel like they are capable of handling and they do a great job at it and allow them to do that. And which means I can concentrate on what I'm best at, which is going through all the data, talking to the guest about what the recommendations are and prescribing something for them so they can leave and they get to see that's, that's my job, you know? Yeah. And if it weren't, well, then I'd be, you know, measuring glasses on everybody and I would be, you know, doing all the other tests that, that we all start thinking about, you know, and, um, I mean, it just starts to become burdensome. And every time you do one of those things, it kind of burns your skin a little bit. You know, every time you touch this instrument, you shouldn't be touching. That's well, that burns my skin a little bit. So you need to learn how to, to release some of these things and allow mm -hmm. people to do the things that they do best. Like we're still learning for me with you, you know, you're telling me constantly, don't touch that. That's our job. <laughs> We need to do that. And, and I've learned hopefully better over the last few months, uh, you know, so I'm staying out of y'all's way and letting you do your job because I'm paying you for it, whether I do it or not. And, and of course, when you lean in and let, let the people that you're, that you are truly entrusting and paying them to do the work. One, this is what we do all day, every day, and we love doing it. So like you said before, we're probably going to do it faster. And we also know like we have a bigger view of whatever the one thing that you might bring to us that you might think I'm going to fix here, but you didn't know you fixed this one thing over here is going to mess up all this other stuff over here <laughs> right. because you just don't know exactly how like we may take care of things. And so it's just best to entrust various things to people that's, that's their expertise and let them have it. <laughs> yep. And, and then you don't have, then you can truly be free to, to do exactly what you want to do. And that's honestly how I've grown my business over the past. I mean, I've been in business now for nine years, but the growth started happening when people found out what I did <laughs> and I couldn't, I could not do it all by myself. So I did at one point in time, I literally did all the accounting, the bookkeeping, the payroll, and I did every single moving part all by myself until I wasn't sleeping. And then I found out how valuable sleep was. <laughs> so, um, and honestly, as my family grew, I wanted some more time with my family. And that's when I said, I, I like to start with what is your end goal? And, and then we need to also figure out what we, and what are you doing on a daily basis? And is something that you're doing, keeping you from getting to your end goal. If so, then we need to figure out what tool system or person we can hire in order for all of us to be 
operating in what like we operating in our desire, our strength zone, our zone of genius. Everyone has their different terms for it, but where we're supposed to be. <laughs> like we all have a purpose and a and and a place that we're supposed to be in. And the when you're getting distracted by all those other things, it's keeping you from what truly feeds your soul. And then you're also not able to help as many people as you're supposed to because you're trying to do so many things you're not supposed to be doing. Exactly. Exactly. And and I don't know if y'all caught all this, ladies and gentlemen, but she eats her own cooking. I mean, she's she heard you heard her say she's handing off stuff in her business to other people to do things. And I bet you stuff that she does really, really well, but it doesn't bring the value that she has to her business with some of the other things that she does to bring the value to her business. So she had to figure what that was out. I mean, um, there was once a line I heard, and I wish I could give credit for whoever said this and I'm going to also uh, add a little to it, but you shouldn't be a knowing where your money and your time is a going. <laughs> and that's kind of what she does for me is she helps me figure out where all this money is going. And, and we, we've had a situation of, of late where there's a hole in my bucket and we're trying to figure that out and we're getting really, really close. And I, honestly, if I didn't have Danielle to help bounce some thoughts off of, I would just be going, well, I, I, I hope it gets better. You and know. a lot of small business owners hope it gets better and then they don't know where they're bleeding. And then it's until it's the problem is now more than just the leak. <laughs> it is a huge hole and now money's ran out and you didn't know how, where, why. And, and, and then you have to really, I mean, that there's so many small business owners that run out of, that, that are out of business because they ran out of money and they didn't see it coming, <laughs> even though, because they didn't take the time to review it. And because they didn't have the time, they won. If they had the time, they didn't know what they were looking for. And that's something that one of the, when I was starting, I mean, like, I guess it's easier to continue to go back to my family's business. Cause I don't know my mom wouldn't care. <laughs> um, but like one of the more of a more challenging conversation I had to have with her was letting certain customers go. And it was like, Hey, she was like, that was my first client here. And that what they, they've always okay, well, we need to have a conversation. This is how much this customer's costing you to, and, and this is how much like overall was costing the business. And this is what you're charging for their service. So right now you're there, you actually are upside down. This customer is not paying you as much as it's costing you to service them. And so we, we're actually going to make money when you let them go. <laughs> and it's just those type of things that had to go down client by client and she didn't have the time or even know where to look for that data in order to then, then we can remove the emotions out of it. Like, oh, I really like them. You can like them all day. Go have coffee. But they're not going to be your clients because, well, I mean, we offered a price increase for this client, by the way, that I'm talking about. And they were like, no, I'm, I don't want to pay that. And so I informed that they're not your clients. And then we'll just and the business will continue to grow and You'll be servicing the people that you're supposed to be servicing. The price point that you're paying me is not something that everybody is willing to pay. They don't see the value. That's great. You're not my customer. And, and I'm okay with that. It's taken me a while to get there too. <laughs> so basically you're advising us to figure out who's costing us money and let them go somewhere else. I mean, isn't that like letting just money go out the door? <laughs> 100%, but you, people don't know. I mean, like I said, lines of service as well, um, or, or team members. I mean, honestly, you can do this, this cost benefit analysis on all different areas. If we look at how much time certain team members are, are spending on certain things, are they working on income generating things? What are we paying them? 
Are we paying them more than what it is that they're working on overall? If so, we could either, I mean, we don't necessarily want to let people go, but we can also start to think about other income generating activities we can have that person work on in order to keep them around and make this make sense. And so it's just a matter of doing that cost benefit analysis across the board on even your personal life. If you're still cleaning your house on a Saturday morning because you've always done it and this is what I know how to do it. If it's taking you three hours to clean, if you choose to, and you're missing three hours of family time, you can't get back. Well, then that might make sense to hire that out too. And not that you can't do it, but it's okay to not do things too. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, it may just be sort of a mentality that most of, especially entrepreneurs, you know, if, if something's worth doing it, it's worth me doing it instead of somebody else, you know, and I can dead gum it. I can pull this off and I can whatever. And we don't realize that we're just not that good at it. I mean, really, uh, we're, we're all kind of technicians. Yes. <laughs> and instead of being someone who really is running a, a business and instead what we end up having at the end of our careers is a really expensive job. 100%. And, and, and a job that's not rewarding to you at the end of the day. Like you, you had fun doing this one thing, but like you said, when you're, you're also, mad that you're touching this instrument because I shouldn't be touching it because somebody else should and or I'm paying somebody and they're not in here and I know how to do it so I'll do it and it's just a matter of taking that step back and doing a true analysis of how you operate day to day and it's possible that the the company might need a new standard operating procedure of how we're going to to run our client visit overall where now at this point in time in the visit, someone else from the team needs to step in here with said instrument. So I don't even think to touch it. And it's just a matter of taking a step back so that we can, we can continue to honestly start running the business like well machine instead of clunking it down the road. Like we're used to doing, cause I'm a technician. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So are there any other kind of mistakes you see pretty commonly happening with business owners when they're coming to you? Um, honestly, one of the, there's definitely at this point, I have plenty of business owners that are coming to me that have bookkeeping in place, but they aren't looking at these numbers. It's like, yeah, I don't know I was supposed to have a bookkeeper and I got a CPA and I talked to him once a year and he does my taxes. But something that I would just encourage small business owners to do is to actually look at your P&L. Understand then not only the previous month, but compare it to the to the previous year. Look at your year as a whole and month to month and figure out like where are some trends that you may not even notice. Like, oh my gosh, my office expenses have gone up three times this month, like th- three times more than they were last month. And you may not think about it because you saw, oh, I saw office depot, I saw this. But there's a lot of holes that you can find out sooner than later if you're just looking at the numbers. So I'd say schedule a money day for yourself. And, and look at it. Even if you have someone else on your team taking care of the books, more than likely, they may not be telling you what's going on because they're busy. Their, their job is to look at the books. I mean, their, their job is to keep them, not look at them. Right. So I would say schedule time to look at them. And, under, and if you don't understand what you're looking at, then talk to somebody. Don't just continue marching down the road blindly because there's so many business owners that are doing that. And then, like I said, they look up and they're out of money and they didn't see it coming. And so even as you're talking about the Parkinson's law, um, so we, we, I know at some point in time, we're, we said we we're going to talk about some profit first stuff, but I am, I am profit first certified. And one thing, what I love about profit first, like people at Parkinson's, especially small business owners, I have all this money sitting in my checking account. I've got the money and they will just spend what they have because they see it. 
And so Profit First is really a cash management system where you can, where you start to only see what you should be seeing <laughs> and then start to basically, like most people are familiar with the envelope system that maybe grandma used to have, or you've got uh, one envelope for food, one envelope for entertainment for the month. And, and then you've got, um, you know, like gifts or something. So either way, once the money is used up in that envelope, you either have to borrow from another one or this is it for the month. And then I have to wait until the next check comes in before I can start to, to go back and have more fun. I spent more money on my entertainment than I was supposed to. And, and now entertainment envelope is done. So essentially it's that same type of concept, but with bank accounts. And so you would set up, um, for small business owners, set up a, a tax account, a profit account, um, a payroll account, wherever you're spending like coaching and training account. If you're, if you want to really drill down and understand where you're spending your money and then actually purposely allocating money for those particular things, then that will help you to not spend as much money on things you shouldn't be spending on because you don't see it and you don't have it <laughs> because, hey, like there's definitely so many business owners that look up like, oh, payroll tomorrow. Let me move this and move that so I can make sure it's covered. But when you have a payroll account that you know how much in general you're spending, so what a certain percentage of your income is already, then you set that payroll aside. And we're now only going to be working with what we have left over. So profit first is really, I guess, the high level. It's it's your income. So most people say that the profits, their business profits is the bottom line. Their income minus expenses equals my profit. Then they want to run their business or bonus off of that. But what I, what profit first is, is that your, it's your income minus your profit equals your expenses. So we are now going to run your business off of, what we have left over after we've already taken care of everything. We're going to take care of you as the business owner. We're going to take care of your taxes. We're going to take care of the profits, ensure you're profitable. And then we're going to run the business with what we have left instead of the other way around, which is what most people like to do and they're conditioned to do. And so when you're taking someone through this process, just on a, I mean, not everybody's going to be the same, obviously, but about how long does it take for someone to, to really get into having a functioning profit first system in their business? Well, functioning is man, like we can implement it within the first month. Right. And, and then it's just a matter of continuing to tweak and hone in on what's going to work best for the business owner. And so a lot of small business owners that I'm working with, they aren't necessarily operating in the ideal percentage. They aren't most small business owners. There's like, I think the numbers are 85% small business owners are not paying themselves at all. And it's like, hey, I love doing the work and I love taking care of my clients and I eat off of whatever leftovers I've got. <laughs> and, and so one, you're an anomaly almost if you are paying yourself. And so that's, that's also a plus side, um, but we want to make sure that you are paying yourself. I feel like I'm starting to um, wander off. I don't remember exactly what you asked me it's just okay. now. It's okay. You're, you're, but, the, we're going fine. But um but regardless, that's one that, that's one of the things I love about Profit First is making sure that the business owner is covering themselves because we're good for taking care of clients, not taking care of ourselves. And so owners pay is saying, you asked me how long does it normally take them? That's what it was. And so uh, most people aren't aren't paying themselves at all. And so it's it takes us a little while for us to, and I say a little while, I usually get like to give clients at least a year, year and a half 
to get all the way through to where our target is. But we're going to set a plan in place to get there and not just say, hey, we're going to look up and tomorrow you'll be at this ideal percentage of income. And so most people aren't paying themselves. And I honestly say it probably could take about a year for them to pay them the ideal wages, but we're going to be paying you from day one. It's just a matter of increasing that as we figure out where you can either bring in more income or reduce certain expenses in order for that to happen. Yeah. And I mean, just, you know, complete vulnerability and everything. I mean, there was a time in my practice, I'd say about 20 some odd years ago where I went for about six months without getting paid. And it's terrifying. Um, yeah. I mean, fortunately, my wife, Kristen, and I were smart enough to have set up an emergency fund, you know, of our own personal money so I could weather the storm. And I mean, I eventually got that money back, but it took a long time to get there, you know, and it's, it's frightening, you know, because when I look at my business, I'm not just responsible for me. I'm responsible for every other person that's under that roof in addition to me. Right. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of car payments. I, I put a lot of braces on kids' teeth. I, you know, put a lot of food in people's mouths. And if I go out and mess something up, it doesn't just affect me. It affects all of them too, you know, and that's something we all need to keep in mind is that we're personally responsible to them, not for them, but to them, you know, and, and part of this responsibility is making sure that the business is, is solvent and it, it has money and it's working well. If it's not working well, again, you have a really bad job. You know, it's just not, it's not a business. It's just a really, really bad job. And you've got the worst boss in the world and it's you, you know, yeah. so uh, it's, it's hard to get past that. So you, when you go through the process of putting someone through profit first, what are some of the typical pushbacks you get from, from customers? The typical pushback is everyone thinks they're operating lean, as lean as possible. <laughs> everyone thinks that they don't have any way that they could reduce their expenses in order for them to start paying themselves a little bit more or putting back a little bit more for profit or even setting aside some for taxes or, or an emergency fund. I mean, it's, it's a blessing for you to have had that emergency fund when you were not able to pay yourself for six months. And there's so many business owners that don't have it. And they're either out of business or they're picking up another job to then try and cover their team. And I mean, there's definitely, cause they don't want their business to fold, but it's like, they're just too far. Like basically like I said, they've got a job and, and, a, and they don't, it's a horrible job that they feel they're stuck in. And so most people think that they're operating as lean as possible, but they don't actually take that step back to, to then reevaluate and say, hey, maybe I don't need all of these software right now. Maybe I don't need to have all of this equipment right away and I can choose to hold off or set aside an equipment account where a percentage of our income that comes in, we'll start putting it away for equipment. So then once this account gets up to a certain point, then I'll actually be able to purchase a new piece of equipment with that versus just buying it all up ahead of time. And so that's honestly the, like one of the main things that most people think is that they don't have any room to, 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 to wiggle. <laughs> but once someone else, like I said, that's comes from a higher level view is able to just step in and show them that there is a little more room then that's, and then also as far as just the other side is, I mean, there's courses, there's two sides that we can reduce your expenses almost immediately if we talk about certain lines of service or something you might want to cut back 
but there's something to be said around just other income opportunities because like, hey, I now have an end goal of how much money I need to make in order for me to pay myself a fair wage for myself and then actually be profitable for the company. And then it's now it kind of flips the switch where, hey, I actually could go do something over here and I now could have on my payroll account hire someone else to take care of what I was doing because I now can drive this much more income over here in order like so that's that's usually the two things is just an aha of other income opportunities. And then, yeah, I guess I'm not as lean as I thought I was. <laughs> so as you're going through this, I'm presuming that there are a couple of difficult conversations you have to have with people. Um, this is kind of a, going to be a, a double lesson kind of thing, but how do you start these difficult conversations with them? Um, what, what are some of the ways you get them to understand, Hey, this is really important. Mm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just trying to figure out so I can get ahead of this when she starts having one of these conversations with me. <laughs> Honestly, how can I get them to understand how it's important? I I like to flip it back on them and ask them what is important to you? Because is it important for you to stay where you are? If are you are do you feel so comfortable in your current space that being uncomfortable is just just doesn't excite you? Well, then you can stay here, you don't need me. <laughs> so, I really ask them on what what is it going to cost you now and in the future to stay exactly where you are and if you are willing to put in a little effort and not stay there then then I'm happy to help you grow (laughs) so um I don't know if that's to ask me that question one more time I feel like I (laughs) how are you how are you having I mean it doesn't have to even be on this it can be pretty much any kind of difficult conversation because I mean you're also a business owner you have to have some difficult conversations with your team I'm sure and you have to have it with your kids and your husband I mean what what kind of thing I mean because let's face it we're a a society that basically just stays away from conflict and um we, we we wait until it used to be so bad that the best way to handle conflict is just to throw a social media grenade at it and move walk away. <laughs> True. And you know what? I'm, I'm thankful for what I like. I don't mind a difficult conversation. I don't mind having it. I feel like the longer you drag it out, the worse it's going to be. And so I don't mind sitting down and saying, Hey, this is, this is where we are. This is, this is what it looks like from, if you continue to stay here, then, hey, your business could also be out of, you could be also out of cash in business six months from now. And so I honestly just love to, I, I want to help them understand what I see down the road to the best of my ability. Because most business owners are too thick in the weeds of the day and their hand is too far, like everything is so close that they just don't see what I see. So I, that's, I, I really still put it back on them. Do you want to stay here? <laughs> and if you do, then you don't need me. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's, I couldn't have said it any better. So if, if you had to sort of wrap everything at the end um, and you could, there was like a big billboard, you could say, get it to say exactly what you want it to say. What would you say on that billboard that everybody would take away from this message? <laughs> oh, that's, Hmm. I, this is a good question. I like these. Uh, you were ready for these questions. <laughs> So what do I want small business owners and just business owners in general to take away? Honestly, be okay 
with letting go. <laughs> and, and letting go is going to require some growth on your end. It's going to require you to empower other people to do stuff that you feel that you've always done. To It's going to require you to entrust your baby to somebody else that actually could be more qualified, but you wouldn't know because you haven't given it to them. <laughs> and just, but letting go is going to provide so much freedom for you to grow. <laughs> that sounds like that should be like a catchphrase, let go so you can grow. <laughs> like, um, and I mean, that's, that's what I would love for small business owners to just understand is we're not meant to do it all. And, and so many of us try to do it all. Cause with one point in time, we started a business, we had to, but as you continue to grow and see where your own faults are, you have to be honest with yourself in that place of what, what you shouldn't be doing and then stop doing it <laughs> and then be okay with not doing it. So honestly, I feel like the biggest billboard is two words or maybe three words, let it go. <laughs> oh gosh. Now the song's going to be going through my head all day long. I was, I was literally about to say it. I was like, frozen. <laughs> so Daniel, um, but there's, there's freedom. There is freedom in letting it go. There's freedom in understanding your numbers. And most people, it's just the numbers is a thing that somebody else is supposed to do while I'm just busy running the business. But I think they need to go one and they need to go together as a business owner. You may not have to be the one keeping the books. I don't think you should because you I'm sure can drive more income than your bookkeeping team. <laughs> um, but I think that it's important for you to understand it. So let go of the need to do it all, but also like let go of the feeling that's that you like, because also if I, this is still another thing. Most small business owners also think they're in a, in their space of their own by themselves. They think that nobody else has the problems that they have. And they think that nobody else will understand. They're embarrassed that they don't know their numbers. They're embarrassed that their back office is a mess and they don't want to tell anybody but everybody else is a lot like you and you just don't know it because nobody's talking about it. They're all embarrassed. <laughs> so let go of this, this shame of, I don't know it all. You're not supposed to know it all. You know exactly what you're supposed to know to truly drive income for your business and stay in that lane and then empower your team to take care of the rest and be okay with letting it go. <laughs> That's great. So Daniel, how would someone connect with you if they were looking at this, this sounds like this really help out with me. What, what do they need to get in touch with you? So yeah, well, Pearl Business Consulting, we are a virtual CFO firm. We provide accounting, bookkeeping, and payroll processes for small business owners. So if they want to learn more about the business, they can go to pearlbusinessconsulting.com and or pearlbc. That's usually easier. <laughs> so pearlbc.com. And I'm also on Instagram. Um, it's Danielle Brooks CFO. And I, I really like to help small business owners. And so, and also on Facebook, if you want to find me, Danielle Brooks CFO. And I, I, that, but the main thing you can start at the website and you'll find out all the rest of those things. <laughs> so pearlbc.com. <laughs> we'll get all this in the show notes for everybody. Uh, Danielle, thank you for being here with us today. I mean, this is going to be an amazing thing for a lot of people, I'm sure. And, and the one thing I'm sure Danielle probably will all say, you know, even if you're not going with her, find somebody to help you out this because this is a lot to take on your own and to get someone to just get you through this process. It's, it's an amazing feeling knowing and having some confidence that something like this is going on for you. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you for the time. I love it.
that was great. This was amazing. And my cat waited until the last couple of minutes to show up. I thought she was on the other side of the door. Had no idea she was on this side. I, I locked her out. I thought, and I was like, oh shoot, she's going to start making a noise in a minute. So what I didn't realize was your background in engineering. So I've got to get, tell you my favorite engineer joke. Okay. <laughs> so there's, there, there's a, uh, this doctor, a lawyer and an engineer are all going to the guillotine for their death. And the uh, doctor is going to go first and he lays down on the plank and the executioner pulls a lanyard and nothing happens. So the doctor jumps up off the, off the plank and says, this must be God's way of saying that I'm here to save people for their health concerns, to make sure that they're all, you know, taken care of in the best way possible. And you must let me go. And the executioner says, sure, go ahead. So the lawyer goes and he lays down and he pulls the lanyard and nothing happens. And the lanyard and the lawyer says, this must be God's way of saying that I'm supposed to be here to protect people's civil liberties, to make sure they're not persecuted in the ways they shouldn't be. So you just got to let me go. And he says, sure, that's okay. Go ahead and go. So then the engineer comes up and he goes, Hey, wait a second. Can I, can I lay on the plank facing up? He goes, sure. Knock yourself out. And right before the executioner pulls the lanyard, he goes, Hey, wait a second. I think I figured out what your problem was. 